I uh, am excited to talk today. I'm excited because I've been thinking about what we're going to talk about today for almost a year now, um, and it's been slow brewing. So I'm going to dive right in, and I hope this is really fun for everybody, and I hope to hear in the chat um, what like further questions you have, because I'm going to sort of set up what we're going to talk about over the next month. Okay. So uh, what I want to talk about over the next month is guilt and what to do with guilt. My sense is that nearly everyone has a constant nagging of guilt in the back of their heads at all times. I think everyone does. I think everyone in this culture. I've been thinking about the way that um, so many lyrics in popular music capture this. Uh, so um, I'm gonna give a little like kind of look through some music that Vince enjoys. Uh, one of the best uh, uh, American albums of the 90s when I was growing up was August and Everything After by The Counting Crows, which is most known for uh, Mr. Jones. Um, and uh, Mr. Jones, if, uh, if you remember that song or if you're not familiar with it, it's about two depressed guys at a bar uh, trying to forget that they hate their lives by pretending to be rock stars. Uh, and you can like, in their lyrics, you can hear the self-loathing and the guilt that they haven't done more with their lives hidden behind all of the posturing of the song. Uh, so it's, you know, the, I have some lyrics up here from it. Pass me a bottle, Mr. Jones. Believe in me because I don't believe in anything and I want to be someone who believes. Uh, when everybody loves me, I will never be lonely. Oh man, this longing, this, but this feeling of, oh, I just haven't done enough with my life and everybody tells me it. Um, nearly 30 years uh, later, it feels like, I guess, uh, August and Everything After, I think, came out in like 1992 or three or something like that. So nearly 30 years later, it feels like guilt is even more pronounced in lyrics. Um, so uh, on her 2017 song, Funeral, Phoebe Bridgers taps into the phenomenon of feeling guilty for feeling sad or feeling guilty for feeling down or depressed when there are others around you who seem to have far more legitimate reasons to feel down or sad. I wonder if that phenomenon is familiar to anybody. I feel guilty about feeling sad because somebody else should, they, they have a right to feel sad, so I can't feel sad. And then you start to like guilt trip yourself. Uh, her song, Funeral, is wishing I was someone else, feeling sorry for myself when I remembered someone's kid is dead. And it's 4 a.m. again, and I'm doing nothing again. I wonder, is that, is that, that experience familiar? You can't, can't even feel sad because you feel guilty about feeling sad. I wonder what songs or artists are coming to mind uh, for you that express constant nagging guilt in modern life. The, the constant feeling that you're not doing enough or that you're not being enough or that you shouldn't feel what you feel or that you should be using your time or your resources better. So I've started a list with mine and a few of us uh, who were setting up today ha have already uh, added to the list. So I'm gonna put our list up here. These are uh, some songs I I've thrown a couple that I already told you about up here. Um, and I'm gonna put a QR code up on the screen here. If you would like to add to our list, you can do that in real time, or if you just want to go to a browser on your phone, you can do that too. And, uh, and you can add to the list here that I've started with, uh, and then maybe before we're done here, I'll go back to the list and we'll see um, what else people have added. So I'll, I'll leave that QR code up. You can go to that um, if you want to add a song. Um, a couple others that I had put up there um, that I think are, are worth going to are uh, Kendrick Lamar released his latest album uh, this year, and the opening track, you 
united in grief. Uh, he raps, shaking and moving like, what am I doing? I'm flipping my time through the Rolodex, indulging myself and my mu life and my music. The world that I'm in is a cul-de-sac. The world that we in is just menacing. The, de the demons portrayed religionists. I wake in the morning, another appointment. I hope the psychologist listening. Man, first off, I love the made up word religionists. I just love that word play. I think that's really, that's got a lot to say. But the cul-de-sac image, right? The, the world that we live in is a cul-de-sac, just going around and around the guilt loop again and again and again, all of these demands. And I wake up the next morning and there are more demands to feel guilty about. Kendrick Lamar. But this is by no means something recent. I'm doing artists from, from my childhood and recently you thought this was recent. So uh, uh, many, many years before I was born, uh, to me, one of the best, one of the most right-on expressions of nagging guilt in all of song lyrics comes from Jackson Brown. Jackson Brown originally wrote the song These Days, which has been covered by many people, um, and it's most famously covered by uh, the Velvet Underground singer Nico. So Jackson Brown isn't really known for this song, but it's his song. He wrote it, and he wrote it when he was very young, and he expressed so much of what I think is just dead on. It's, I I've been out walking. I don't do too much talking these days. These days I seem to think a lot about the things that I forgot to do for you. And all the times I had the chance to. And later he sings, don't confront me with my failures. I have not forgotten them. And I so relate to that last line. Guilt, I don't need to be reminded of the things that I should feel guilty for. I have not forgotten them. They are loud in the back of my head. So I wonder what others have uh, come up with here, um, if anybody has added anything to our list. And maybe we, uh, we'll give you another chance to look in a little bit. Oh, yeah, okay, so these are, so there's some that were added earlier. Uh, the National, nearly every song, I love that. I just think that that's, that's dead on, if anybody likes The National. Uh, oh, but Black by Pearl Jam, yeah, actually anything from grunge, right? Like early 90s uh, music coming out of Seattle, all of it is just guilt, guilt, guilt. Bon Iver, Skinny Love is another good one, yeah. So uh, feel free to add uh, to our list, folks, if you would like to, because I, uh, a part of me was thinking there were so many good songs that I couldn't even decide. I couldn't even decide what I wanted to bring to you all because there were so many good ones. So if you have any other songs about nagging guilt, I would love to hear them. I mentioned that for about a year, I've been preparing what I want to talk about over the next month. I've been uh, digging into the work of a handful of uh, theologians and sociologists that try to describe the human condition for today, the spiritual crisis for today. Those of us who live in a secular society, like for example, here in Chicago, and how this has changed. The, the human condition, the spiritual crisis for people has changed dramatically since 500 years ago when there was far less access and freedom to explore, like there is today, explore new ideas or learn new things. But there was also far less pressure on each individual to make meaning for themselves because you just kind of did whatever your culture was, right? There, there was no internet. There, was no, there wasn't even an option to not believe in God. Everybody just believed in God 500 years ago. So today, our, our, our situation is very unique historically. And one of the big insights that I've learned is about guilt, this nagging constant guilt. For most of human history, the way guilt has shown up is people feel guilty before God, right? 
You know, many of the, the Psalms really beautifully capture this, feeling guilty before God. Psalm 32 in the Bible says, I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin, God. Or Psalm 51, against you and you only, God, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And there's really beautiful Psalms about experiencing forgiveness from this feeling of guilt before God that so many have struggled with over the ages. That's the traditional discussion in religion about what do we do with guilt? How do we, we have to get right with God somehow because we all feel guilty before this holy God. For those of you who have spent a good deal in churches uh, in your life, you've probably heard lots of sermons on how to get right with God, huh? Or, you know, if you feel guilty before God, here is what to do with that. Let me give you the, the few steps to, to address that problem. But what I want to suggest is that today, in our secular context, guilt before God is sometimes a thing, and in certain circumstances, I think, is really important to talk about. But because day-to-day -day life now is so secular, it's so disenchanted and focused on what's right in front of us, not focused on the, the transcendent, there isn't this backdrop of, am I okay with God for most people in our culture? And yet, what about all this music we make? Guilt is by no means gone, right? We feel guilt all the time. But I think the predominant experience of guilt is different now. We don't often feel guilt before God. We feel guilt before ourselves. This is the, the predominant experience of guilt today. It is us letting ourselves off the hook that we have such a hard time with. I cannot let myself off the hook. I feel guilty to myself, before myself. And I want to call this new guilt, okay? This is, the new, this is the new hotness in the world of guilt. Old guilt, get out of here. We got new guilt. Feel guilty before ourselves. It's interesting. Guilt has migrated. It moved its office. To, from God pointing the finger at us, that's what we constantly feel guilty about as, as human beings, to us pointing the finger at ourselves. That is what drives us mad. Arguably, new guilt is more diabolical. Because as much as I, I actually, I regard it as progress to move, move away from a view of God that is like finger pointing, at least that outsources the guilt trip, right? When we're guilty before ourselves, we guilt trip ourselves. There is no escape from the guilt. We are judge, jury, and executioner of our own trial. So it's arguably harder this way, what we experience. One of the uh, sociologists I've been reading is a German thinker by the name of Hartmut Rosa. If you want some uh, boring reads that are actually really fascinating uh, for people like me, uh, <laughs> you can read Hartmut Rosa. Uh, and Hartmut Rosa helps me understand uh, from a head perspective this new guilt reality that I think we see expressed from a heart perspective so much in, it, in song lyrics. Rosa calls the condition of the modern world time sickness time sickness. We are all time sick. He says that the 21st century is, uh, the 21st century life is in constant acceleration, and that's why we feel time sick, because everything is speeding up. Not just, not just everything's fast, everything is getting even faster. It's accelerating technologically, socially, 
and just the regular pace of life that we live at, the way we experience all of this speeding up is we constantly feel guilty that we are wasting our time or that we are not using our time well enough. That's what it means to be time sick. Oh, I'm so time sick. I don't have enough time. I should be doing all of these things, right? If I used my time better, I'd be in less debt. If I used my time better, I'd be more informed about racism or the war in Ukraine. Do you guys remember there's still a war going on? Oh, shoot, I forgot. Oh, God. I feel so guilty, right? I'd be more, if I had more time, if I used my time better, I'd have more, I'd, I'd have, I've made that failed relationship work. I just needed more time, but there's not enough time. I'd be a better parent. I'd be a better sibling. I'd be more present to that person in suffering, and I wouldn't feel bad about it like that Phoebe Bridgers song. Oh, does this feel familiar? Those kind of feelings? We are all time sick, Rosa says. Acceleration, this constant speeding up of life, insists that a good life meets the, deva- the demands of a few things. Availability. If you're not taking advantage of everything available to you, you feel guilty. You bought that book and you didn't read it. Oh, I'll turn the knife, right? You have the aluminum straws in your backpack, but you still ask for straws at Starbucks. Oh, such a terrible person. Accessibility is another thing we have to meet the demand of. If you do not keep up with all the right virtue signaling to ensure that you are accessible to your in-group, to ensure that you are beyond reproach, you feel guilty, but you're scared to admit it. Because if you admit it, then it's like, oh man, I wasn't cool enough to know that, oh, we're not supposed to say that anymore. Oh my gosh, oh, but I can't tell anybody because I'd feel guilty if I said it. We feel guilty when we don't meet the demands of attainability. If others have attained something and you haven't, you feel guilty. Hello, social media, right? I struggle with this so much in my world. Shouldn't my church be able to serve these people and these people this way and this people this way? Other churches can do it. I feel guilty. My church is so crap. Do you guys think my church is crap? See, there we go. I'm looking for validation because I feel so guilty, right? Yeah. Because our culture of acceleration defines the good life as meeting these kinds of demands, it is a breeding ground for guilt. There is maybe no way to live in this culture and not feel guilty before ourselves all the time. It's maybe just a feature of this life. It just is, it's going to be there. Do you know what that means? Is it's not your fault. You're not bad if you feel guilty because it's a part of our culture. There are wonderful things about the age and the culture that we live in but also every culture comes with its unique challenges. And this is one for us. Experiencing a constant nagging guilt that we are wasting our time is just a feature of modern secular culture because we are conscious of everything instantly, right? We pull out our phones and every horrible thing that there might be able to be, we might be able to to feel bad about, we can know about. And so there's another chance to feel bad. Every possible thing we could do but didn't do is clear to us because we can look at everybody else's, you know, the highlights of their lives on Instagram and immediately feel like, oh, I should have done it that way. Do you guys feel buried? This sucks, right? (laughs) We're just guilty all the time. So the traditional religious discussion of guilt, as I mentioned, um, discussing guilt before God, the antidote is forgiveness. God forgave the guilt of my sin is Psalm 32's crescendo. And I think forgiveness as an antidote to guilt is brilliance that still stands. It's just that in our context of guilt before ourselves, generally speaking, we're not racking our brains for how do we be forgiven by God. 
we are racking our brains for how do we forgive ourselves. And there, like, this is a topic that is bursting at the seams in like the book and podcast world. There's so many ideas out there, and many really good ones, and many really crappy ones, about how to forgive yourself. Because we all feel this. We need to learn how to forgive ourselves. And I want to talk today because I think that I think that the God that Jesus taught us about is such an ally in this. And I think that even though we're not, we don't struggle as much, generally speaking, with guilt before God, we struggle with guilt before ourselves, I think there is no less need for God in our situation. It's just a different need for God. So maybe the Jesus saying for our time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a bold statement. I think this is the Jesus saying for our time is Matthew 11, where Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This is what we sang this morning. Take my yoke upon me, uh, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Everything in modern life puts more demands on us. It weighs us down more, makes us more conscious of the things we are not already doing. Some of it is false guilt. Like, I, 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 to this day, do not know why I feel so guilty if I ignore that email marketer. Why do I feel so much, you know, like, why do I need to, like, respond nicely to the email marketer, right? Like, I don't know why I do that. That's false guilt, right? but that's a part of our culture. But some of it, honestly, a lot of the demands that we're talking about that are all around us all the time are for really worthy things. Like, I, I actually really am. I'm joking about straws and, and aluminum straws and Starbucks cups, and, but I really am coming to terms with the way my consumption habits contribute to the world's climate crisis. I, I'm like, I'm really trying to take that seriously. I'm really trying to learn about that. And it's appropriate for me to feel guilty, right? So not all of this is just false guilt. I think a lot of the things that we have flying around us, these demands that are shouting at us, they're legit. But the challenge is, is that we are buried by them at all times. And there's, it's so difficult to discern between the false guilt and the, and the worthy guilt. So what if the reason we need God in the age of new guilt is because God can be the one thing in life that isn't heaping more demands on us, but promises instead to help us filter all of those demands. What if Jesus' statement in Matthew 11 is like, that's who God is, oh modern world that's always guilty. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. I am going to be unlike everything else in modern life that heaps demands on you, And I will be the one thing that tries to help you filter those demands. Because my burden, my yoke, God says, is appropriate in weight. It's not too heavy and it's not too light. God can strain away all that we need not carry. God can speak gently to us. I see your heart, your longing to live more according to your values, and your disappointment that you failed to do so. 
and you can forgive yourself. Has anyone ever spoken that to you before? I've had something like that spoken to me in therapy before by another human being. I've had it in some of my closest relationships. And I've had it in prayer before. I see your longing to live more according to your values and that you're disappointed in your failures. You can forgive yourself. That is what we need to hear in the age of new guilt. So God as a filter is a constant part of my prayer life, and it helps me with my personal experience of nagging guilt. You know, what is mine to carry right now? What are, God, what are you encouraging me to forgive myself for? And the way it looks is I quiet myself. I, I've talked before that usually this, for me, this is in the morning. I like to get up before everybody else in my house. But uh, also, I kind of suck at doing this in the middle of the day. Some people are really good at like carving out like 10 minutes in between meetings to like, I'm going to slow down. And man, I mean, that, I know that that helps them so much during their day because it's actually in the middle of the, like the cruff. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not very good at that. I'm trying to get better at that. So in the morning for me, I'm usually doing this. But I, I, I quiet myself. I try to listen internally. The image that I love that describes uh, this kind of listening prayer is a flashlight shining in the vastness that is my mind space. Like, as though my mind space is like too big for me to even understand myself. It's unwieldy, right? But there's a flashlight shining, and that is God trying to highlight, highlight different things. Hey, this, that's, you should carry that. Don't carry that. Leave that in the corner. You know, that's false guilt. That's legit, but you can forgive yourself. You know, this, I look for the flashlight. And over time, praying this way teaches you a few things. It teaches you to see God the way Jesus did as fundamentally a burden reliever, not a burden adder. I need, I need all of you who have spent lots of times in highly religious settings to hear that again. God fundamentally, according to Jesus, is a burden reliever, not a burden adder. Life will give you plenty of burdens. Don't worry, you're not going to be irresponsible. <laughs> you will have lots of burdens in front of you. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, not all you who are not doing enough so I can give you more things to do. So praying this way can help us, can teach us to see the way, see God the way Jesus did. It can also help us see ourselves as worthy of being forgiven for not caring everything, for not keeping up with every demand of modern life, even the very important ones. When I fail at something that's actually legitimately important to me or I'm trying to be better at and I beat myself up about it, do I stay there? Do I get stuck there? Does it affect the next moment in my life? Am I mean to my kids afterwards? If all of that's happening, I'm not forgiving myself. And I need to forgive myself. God, praying this way can help us see, us, as, uh, see ourselves as worthy of, of, of having that experience. We're not bad if we have to have that experience of forgiving ourselves. It can also, I want to say, praying this way, help you see what your priorities are right now. 
Like, I, I think that the key thing in all of this, uh, uh, Jesus saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, is Jesus does give us a, a different yoke, but it's a yoke that's appropriate. It's a yoke that's not too heavy and not too light. And I think praying this way, truly opening yourself up to an encounter with a God who isn't made in your own image will not make you less reliable. It will not make you less responsible. This is not a get out of jail free card every time you, wanted, you don't want to do something. Or, you know, like as a millennial, I have heard all of the stereotypes of like, well, you know, you can just make your own rules because you're a millennial. Um, I've heard all of those things. This is not what we're talking about. This is like... When you pray and truly open yourself up to a God who is not made in your own image, and you're saying, God, filter all of these demands that are coming at me because that's what it means to live and be alive in the 21st century, you're, you're, you don't become like a person who does nothing. You become a person who truly knows what your priorities are. That's amazing. When I have days where I'm settled in my priorities, when I'm able to say no without feeling buried by guilt, and when I'm able to say yes without feeling overly burdened, those are my best days, man. It would be awesome to have more days like that. <laughs> but we are not weak when we have to do this again and again and again. Because remember, guilt is a core feature of our culture. There is no escaping it. It's not you. It's all of this. And so it, this is just a part of our... We, we have to learn to do this. If we don't learn to do this and nobody else is teaching us to forgive ourselves, we will continue to feel that constant nagging guilt in the back of our heads. This, this is the spiritual crisis for the 21st century. I'm convinced. One last uh, story I want to tell. So because historically, new guilt is new, See what I did there? That's why I call it new guilt. Um, that's terrible. Sorry. You guys, you're, you're ready for the next person. Get the hook. Um, because historically, new guilt is new, uh, churches really only know how to speak to old guilt in general. They really only know how to foster conversations about guilt before God. We're not as experienced churches as talking about guilt before ourselves. But I believe pastors like me and churches like ours have a responsibility to learn, to understand, and to speak to new guilt. And that need is in some ways actually quite pressing and has high stakes. Let me go back to music again. In February 2018, I went with two friends to uh, Talia Hall here in Chicago to see one of my favorite bands, Frightened Rabbit. These are Scottish indie rockers who play really like turn up loud in the car music. It's super fun. If you feel mad, mm, listen to Frightened Rabbit. Uh, they combine like really easy to love guitar riffs, vocal harmonies, and heartbreaking lyrics. Um, I cannot necessarily recommend Frightened Rabbit because they are not for everyone. So let me be clear right at the start. You may not like Frightened Rabbit and you may be very offended that I do. They are filthy and unfiltered and irreverent to the maximum power. So it is totally fine if you do not like them. But what comes with those qualities that they have is that they are raw and emotional and often very beautiful. It's clear that their frontman, Scott Hutchinson, has been burned by churches. So many of his lyrics are blistering, totally unflinching takedowns of bad religion. 
and honestly, I cheer, I cheer him on for all of it. Uh, sometimes he is throwing the baby out with the bathwater, and that is totally fair. So it, it's hard to listen to sometimes. But it feels worth it for me to cheer him on because what comes with his lack of filter is often incredibly insightful things that I would argue are actually very Jesus-y. He just would be shocked if somebody said that to him. So I was so excited to see uh, Frightened Rabbit. This is February 2018. Uh, it was an amazing show. They only didn't play one of my favorite songs, that's, but it's like a deep cut, so I understood. Um, less than three months after my friends and I saw them that night, Scott Hutchinson disappeared. And the Twitter account for Frightened Rabbit asked everyone for help. Please, if you've seen Scott, our lead singer, if you know of anything, please let us know. So this was not a joke, this was real. He was found some days later, having taken his own life. And it was a shock, of course. Um, but not altogether a surprise, as he had been known to have struggled with mental health and suicidal thoughts before. One of Scott's songs that had always spoken to me because I'm a pastor and it so explicitly spoke to bad religion. And I was like, yeah, you go, you take down bad religion. I'm here to pitch something better. It's a song that they played that night and it's called Holy. And it has lines like, save me the fake benevolence. I don't have time. I don't mind being lonely, so spare me the brimstone. He does a lot of wordplay in the song, contrasting being holy, like holier than thou, condescending, posturing, contrasting that with being full of holes is his line, right? That wordplay, actually alive, humble, honest with oneself is what he's getting at when he says full of holes. And he says, I don't mind being lonely, so leave me alone. Are you oh so holy that I'll never be good enough? Don't care if I'm lonely, because it feels like home. I won't ever be holy. Thank God I'm full of holes, full of holes. Can you hear all the old guilt, guilt tripping that Scott has heard leveled at him behind these lyrics? Can you hear, you can basically hear someone yelling at him, you are guilty before God. You need God's forgiveness. Can you hear it all behind those lyrics, right? And Scott's response is like, if that's the case, I don't mind being lonely. Spare me the fake benevolence, y'all. And I think he's just being clever when he uses the term uh, thank God in the last line. Isn't that interesting? He uses the term thank God I'm full of holes. I think he's just being clever with that, like just kind of trying to take down being holy. But like I said, he doesn't realize how truly Jesus-y he, Jesus -y he is. I think it's Jesus who would say, woe to those who present themselves as holy and blessed are those who are full of holes. That's what I think Jesus would say. In the late, latest few years since Scott's death, I listen to that song now, and sometimes I just cry. I listened to it this week, preparing for, for this talk, and I just, I just cried a little bit. If only religious authorities around Scott could have seen that there is a lot of Jesus in Scott's life. You know, there was no need to preach at Scott telling him that he needed help. He couldn't give himself. Scott already knew that. What's his identification? I'm full of holes, man. 
I'm not trying to posture. He didn't need to be told that. But that insight wasn't acknowledged by religious authorities in his life because it showed up in a different way than we are used to in church settings. It showed up as new guilt rather than old guilt. And so it seems Scott had forced down his throat the wrong message for the wrong time, and it just compounded his guilt. What I'm getting at is that in some cases, like Scott's, but also I think countless other cases that are less extreme, but really still very hurtful, if your predicament is guilt before yourself, like we're talking about today, but you've had preached at you mercilessly guilt before God, it might drive you mad. Because you already feel guilty enough. And churches and religious authorities today must learn to help people find God from the place of new guilt. Because this is the world we live in now. There's no less need for the help that we can't give ourselves. No less need for, for God, for transcendence, for help that, like, truly, I, if I try to forgive myself, I'm not going to be able to do it. I need help. I need help to forgive myself. There is no less need for that. But forcing people into the traditional religious discussion of you need forgiveness before God is at best missing the point, and at worst, I think it can contribute to the worst sort of mental health outcomes, as perhaps we saw in Scott Hutchinson's case. I don't know, of course, right? I'm guessing from the outside. But I don't think I'm far off when I read his lyrics. I wish I could have known Scott personally and showed him a different picture of faith. Showed him how he was actually much closer to faith than he thought. And that is a call before us if we're going to help people with the constant nagging guilt as a church. We've got to help people with guilt before themselves. We've got to really understand what that means. And what does it mean to find God as your ally in that struggle, in that fight? Well, I want to pray for us. Does that sound good? I, um, I told you at the start, I kind of got going, and I didn't, look at my, I didn't look at my chat here, but I told you I wanted you all to put things in the chat. So I'm promising today uh, to look at the chat this week. Um, as we continue to talk about guilt over the next uh, three Sundays, um, we're, next week we kind of slated for a more like Q&A approach to guilt. We have a couple things we want to say, but we also want to just address what was said. So if you've put something in the chat, awesome. Thank you for that. If you still have something else that like, I, I, uh, what's, what's the next uh, thing here? Or I have more questions about this. Put them in the chat. Put them in the chat this week. Put them in Discord uh, because we'll, we'll tailor next Sunday to uh, what we've learned uh, this week in Discord. Let me pray. Let me kind of generally kind of bring us into a prayerful space. But what I want to spend the most time in as we're praying, maybe you feel like you need this, is I'm going to lead us in a spiritual practice of forgiving ourselves. Okay? All right. You can get in a comfortable position here. If you want to close your eyes, you can do that, but you don't have to. I often sometimes just want to like focus on something in the distance and so my eyes are not distracted. You can do that too. God, you are perfectly wise and loving and you show us through Jesus that your yoke is the appropriate weight. It's not too heavy and it's not too light. 
And your promise to each of us is to give us rest, not more burden. God, you see vividly our experience. In every age, in every culture, in every country, in every group of people that has ever sought you, you've seen their unique predicaments and you see ours. We are exhausted with time sickness and we feel guilty all the time. And I don't even know what guilt is appropriate and what guilt is false because there's so much of it. But you see us, God. Help us in this moment to attune our attention to you and feel seen by you, God, right now. As we are paying attention to what's going on inside us, we ask that you would give us a sense of your spirit with each of us, looking at us in the eyes and saying, you can forgive yourself. You can forgive yourself. And if it helps you in this moment, um, you don't have to do this, but, it, but if it helps you in this moment, uh, I'm going to encourage us to do something we probably wouldn't normally do. I'm going to encourage you to actually pray out loud with me. Uh, if you would like to, I just want to repeat those words over ourselves, I can forgive myself. And if that feels helpful to you to speak out loud in this space, you're, you are totally welcome to do that. Or if you'd rather just do that under your breath or in your mind, you can totally do that too. Join me here. I can forgive myself. I can forgive myself. I can forgive myself. And one more time. I can forgive myself. God, speak gently to us by your Spirit. See our hearts and our longings to live more according to our values. See our disappointment that we have failed and speak to us that we can forgive ourselves. Help us to discern what are the right things for us to carry and to filter out what are the things that we can forgive ourselves for so that we do not implode, so that we do not bend and buckle under the pressure of doing life in the 21st century. We long to be able to be helpful in the ways we're meant to be helpful, but not overburdened while doing so. What does that look like? What does that look like for us today? And remind us, God, that when we have to do it tomorrow, it's not because we're bad. It's because this is all around us. This is the world we live in. But you can help us navigate it. We receive you, God, as the voice that can help us navigate that constant nagging guilt. In Jesus' name, amen.